Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. This is an exciting Sunday because we're celebrating our three-year anniversary. And uh, man, praise God. To, get, to make it three years, that's pretty good. <laughs> it feels pretty good to me. I'm uh, really, really grateful for all that God has done in our church. And one of the things I want to do as we, we're going to look at a passage of the Bible today, and I want to weave in some stories of God's faithfulness over the past three years. And so you'll see a bunch of pictures from the early startup days through even, uh, you know, years one and two, and even over this past year. And I'm really excited just to highlight and celebrate some of the really good things that God has done. If you were, the reason that we're celebrating our three year anniversary right now is because in August of 2020, uh, we started, we had, we didn't even call it a grand opening, we just called it a kickoff, but we had church service in our backyard and if you would have come to our house three years ago, um, you would have been greeted by, you know, two people that looks like this heading, you know, this is, this is the entryway to the, the church going in, <laughs> into my backyard. And then this is our very first uh, church service. And our very first guests ever were Zach and Wesley on the far left there. This is the day that we met them. And as you can see, um, you know, we're, we're socially distanced and um, it wasn't very big at the time. <laughs> so so that, this was our, these were our humble beginnings. And um, also we had church, you know, normally you have it in the morning, but it was August and it was Santa Clarita and it was outside and we had to like, you know, wear masks and stuff. So we just did it at night. So this was an evening service, which is like really cutting edge for churches, you know, the night, the <laughs> night service. And um, so we, we had that. And then later on, we, we, we got smarter and, then, and we went inside. <laughs> so this was church inside the house. And, you know, we had no instruments or musicians or vocalists at this time, so we threw on some worship songs on the TV screen and had a, this is adults and kids all in one um, worship service inside our house. And a little bit later, we started trying to meet and connect with more people, and we would gather at the park real informally. Uh, this was just without any sound equipment or printed programs or pipe and drape or electronics or anything. This is just a bunch of people gathering with a Bible in a park. And this is kind of how it started, is we wanted to, we had a vision for what um, would become, uh, uh, how to build a church. And, and uh, sometimes I think it's amazing, though, that anyone would randomly try to try a new church like that. Like, you know, we had, we, it's, we had guests, like we had people like, yeah, sure, I'll come to that. I'll check that out. I'm like, we're totally brand new. We're going to start a church. Do you want to come be a part of this circle? And um, people did. It's amazing. And, and I can see now that God was moving people at just the right time. The uh, introduction would be made. Uh, we'd meet somebody at Panera or just call up a contact from long ago. Like, I think they live in Santa Clarita. Let's just call them. See? And uh, it started, we started, um, we started something from nothing, which is amazing to me that, you, that that can happen. And I would, I think now, if we were interested in taking an easier path in life, we could, this, this actually could be a good time to throw in the towel. You know, we made it three years, right? That's, that's, isn't that like a good accomplishment? Like, couldn't we just say like, hey, good job, everybody. We did it. We, we made it three years and um, that's respectable. Now we got to start thinking about the impacts on my family and my, my, my sleep schedule and all these other things. And, and we could just say, you know what, we're calling it quits here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and um, good luck on your next venture. We, we could do that after three years. Because after all, 
we don't necessarily know what the cost is going to be if we keep going. If we keep gathering, keep reaching out, keep prioritizing God's kingdom, you know, it's already been a pretty steep price already. You know, we've paid a lot to get to this point. And when things start getting hard, things have been hard, things could get even harder. You have no guarantee of the outcome. And it can be hard to stick with things. It can be hard to like see the venture or the project all the way through to completion. I don't know if you ever have a hard time finishing things. I don't know if that's you or maybe somebody you know or perhaps somebody you're married to has a hard time finishing things. It could be a, a new exercise routine. You're like, bam, I'm ready to get this going. And then the sneakers just sit in the closet or maybe it's a book. You're like, I, I mean, I, I end up, sometimes I end up with a stack of like, three books on my next stand, and that's four books, and that's five books. I'm like, oh, I want to read that one. I want to read that one. And then the first chapter of every book I read is great. So, you know, like you can, you can get started. Or maybe an unfinished project in your house or in your garage or in your backyard. That project is just sitting there, and every time you walk by it, it's just like staring you down, and you're like, oh, geez, I need to finish that thing. And it's hard. Or maybe classes. You start a class or a degree or a program. It's hard to finish. And... I think most of us have an easy time starting out enthusiastically and like a lot of motivation, a lot of energy, and then it's hard to finish strong sometimes. Another thing that's really hard to get across the finish line is your faith. It turns out keeping the faith is hard. Maintaining faith throughout life and finishing that, that's, I mean, that's, that's a lifelong venture. It, it turns out that um, keeping the faith is pretty hard. I, I'd say there's a, there's a number of Christians in the room, people that have decided to follow Christ. And if you're a Christian now, you probably already know it's hard to keep the faith. And there's people in the room every Sunday at Valley Lights. There's people that are not yet Christians that are exploring Christianity, what it means to follow Christ. And if that's you, you should know before you get in, maybe before you do cross the line of faith, you should know that some who enthusiastically start following Jesus, or I should say, start in the direction of following Jesus, turn away from him before they ever fully grasp eternal life. So we're in a series right now called Risk and Reward. And what we're doing is we're looking through the letter 2 Timothy in the Bible. And Paul, this was written by, um, the letter to 2 Timothy was written by Paul, and this is his last letter, and th this is kind of a good letter to look at on this topic, because the guy made it through almost all his life. He's uh, in prison, actually pretty rough shape physically in prison, and probably about to be executed. And the one thing that he can say towards the end of his letter, chapter 4, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He could say that with confidence. Not everybody, not everybody can say that. And, you know, sometimes you know, maybe, maybe you'd look at that and be like, come on, at the end of your life, that's all you can say is you just, you just finished. You just kept the faith. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty amazing. If you fight to the finish line and you make it all the way, you finish the race, not everybody does that. In fact, sometimes you read about prominent Christian leaders who don't finish well. They don't finish the race. Or sometimes, there's actually recently a guy, a real respectable Christian leader who finished his life and died, who had a lot of respect, and then they found out later all this moral failure. So like, man, even the dead guys who finished well didn't finish well. Jeez, this is, this is actually pretty hard. So now that Paul's an old man when he's writing this, he's seen plenty of people turn away. He's seen them come and go. 
In chapter 1, last week we looked at chapter 1 of this letter, and he talks about some of the guys that deserted him. They got ashamed of Paul, and they especially got ashamed of the message about Jesus. And they don't want to be associated with Jesus, who was crucified, or Paul, who was thrown in prison again. So they deserted him. And it's true that we've made it three years, which is quite, you know, I'd say that's respectable. We've made it three years, but I have no intention of backing down now. In case I, like, made you worried there for a second, <laughs> I'm actually not going to throw in the towel. Um, and there's, the passage we're going to look at today is really quite encouraging. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 2 of this letter. Um, this passage is really great for a church like us who needs to keep moving, keep moving towards the mission. It's also really good, this, this passage is really good for you as an individual, if you're on your own journey of faith, for you to press forward personally. And so I want to jump in to chapter 2 of this letter, and um, it starts out with a therefore, and the therefore that Paul's referring to, he's saying, in light of the people that have deserted the faith, like the ones we mentioned last week, in light of those deserters, he says, you, therefore, my son, he's talking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a command to be strong. We are to choose to be strong. But interestingly, if you look at the verb in the Greek, the strengthening, we don't actually strengthen ourselves. The strengthening comes from Jesus. That's why it says, uh, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We don't muster up the power and the strength from within us. We rely totally on the strength that God supplies. And so there's, there's a kind of strength in life that you can only get from God. No matter how physically strong or good your boundaries are or how disciplined your schedule is, there's a kind of strength that we can only get from God. So he says in the next verse, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this interesting transition. He's talking about people deserted. You've got to be strong. And here's also what you've got to do. You've got to make this thing last and pass on. And he talks about, I've highlighted a few words that represent di- um, the message of Jesus passing. First from Paul, he says, what you've heard from me, he's talking to Timothy. So Paul's like kind of like the first generation guy with the message. He gives it to Timothy. That's the transmission to number two, second generation. He says, in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men. It's like a third generation. Commit to those men who will be able to teach others also. So from Paul to Timothy to these men to others, it's like four generations of this thing getting passed on. So this, this is quite a vision of a legacy that's reproducing and moving. There's actually more than just four generations listed here if you consider Jesus as the starting point. You know, Paul got his instructions from Jesus. And then if you, can, if you actually go the other direction, you think about us in the equation. It's passed down to us too. So there's actually been a whole series of generations where the message and the life of the message of the gospel has been passed on. And I wanted to show you a picture that, uh, it's, so we're celebrating three years. I went to a church a couple weeks ago that celebrated 45 years, and I took a picture with the pastor of that church. Um, it's Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas. The pastor of that church, who, the founder, who started it in the 70s, is Harold. He's on the far right there. And when Harold got started, he trained a lot of guys. Actually, 200 churches came out of Harold's church. And one of them was uh, Randy Lanthrop, the guy standing directly to his left. And so Randy got a lot of time with Harold, um, learned about the hard attitudes, relational approach to ministry, and all that culture 
that biblical culture was transmitted to the second guy. Well, then Randy trained and sent out. He sent out five churches. One of those was Josh De La Rosa, directly to his left. And Josh spent years training under Randy, um, picking up the things that he had learned indirectly from Harold. And then I spent 13 years training under Josh. So I'm the guy to the far left on this photo. And so you've got four generations of pastors over, over 45 years where um, the gospel has been passed on, but not just that, the culture of hard attitudes and biblical living, New Testament living has been passed on. And so the amazing thing, if, if you've been a part of Valley Lights and you, let's say you know one of our hard attitudes, one of our core values, like clearing up relationships or um, putting the goals and interests of others above your own, that, if you practice that, you're practicing something that started um, a lot of churches ago and it's being replicated in, uh, across our network. So there is this transmission of precious biblical truth from one person to the next. So, I want to, so in light of this like multi-generational concept, let me show you another photo. Um, this is a photo of some ladies who have all come to Christ. The far left is my wife, Erin, and um, she's, she played no small role in helping this church get started. One of the things that she did is um, she and a bunch of other ladies helped Zaray come to Christ, who's on the far right. And Zaray was a part of our church for a couple of years and eventually committed her life to Jesus. She put her faith in the Lord. Zaray's roommate is there in the middle, Susie, and just a couple months ago, Susie came to Christ because of what she has seen in Zaray's life, all the message that has been shared with her. And so we have multi-generational impact happening right here. The gospel moving from person to person to person. It's incredible. Another event we did this year is, we call it the Discovering Faith Dinner. And so this was, um, just an event we did in someone's house where we invited people to come learn, hey, what do you, if you want to learn what the Bible says it means to be a Christian, and if you want to hear some stories of people that have put their faith in Jesus and the difference that it's made, you can come to this event. It's, we did like a fancy dinner, homemade artisan stone-fired pizzas, and some sourdough, you know. They made, it, they made it fancy. I wasn't involved in the fanciness part of it, but I was excited to help test the things that were produced at this event. So we did this event. It was a good dinner. And um, so we had people that come that were exploring what it means to be a Christian. And one of the next photo, um, one of the people that shared, this is Christian, and he shared the gospel. We call it the BAB. It's an acronym that just describing the different points of what the Bible says it means to be a Christian. So Christian, who recently became a Christian last year and got baptized here, really understands what the Bible says. And so he was able to share it really clear with a pretty compelling personal testimony of how he gave his life to Christ. That's, that's like this transmission. It's, it's like it's, it's starting to reproduce. And his wife also shared at this event. This is Maddie. And she shared what we call the Lordship Pie. It's this illustration demonstrating, you know, sometimes we want to give just some slices to Jesus, but no, he wants the whole pie. He wants every slice of your life. So she shared about what it means to make Jesus your Lord. Not just to be a fan of him, but he's your Lord, he's in charge, he's the boss. And she shared a really compelling testimony as well. So, and she became a Christian here at Valley Lights as well. And so there's this reproduction happening. Um, another photo, this is a photo of a guy who got, has been getting trained at our church. His name is Zach, he's on part-time staff here. And um, when he, if you were here a few months ago, you may have been here when he did a sermon. He delivered his first sermon, and I think before coming to Valley Lights, he probably had no interest it never even occurred to him to actually preach in front of a group. But here, here he is. He got training, and really his life has really been changed. Like all these, others, these other photos, his life has been changing. 
His life has been, has, there's this gravitational pull to become more like Christ that all these people are experiencing, and they're growing in being able to pass along the message. Another photo is of our launch team. This is the group of people that moved to Santa Clarita in 2020 to start the church. This is, this is how big our church was when it was started. Um, sometimes churches, when they, uh, there's different models of church planting, and sometimes they'll send uh, 50 people out, or they'll send 100 people out, or they'll just like chunk off a big part of the church. Um, our sending pastor said he only wanted to send us, with, this, is, this is just 10 adults, and a, you know, a bunch of kids, obviously. There's more, there's more kids now. Um, just 10 adults, because he said, if we only send you with just a few people, then you guys are all be really desperate to meet more people and get this church off the ground. Because if you go with a full package already, you could just be one big happy family. He's like, no, you're going you're gonna to be focused on the mission. And so we were. So all these pictures that I just showed you, they represent life change. They represent stories and people and faces who's had their, they're having their lives changed for the better. And you see pictures of faithful men and women leading others to experience life change. And those very same people that are leading others are being changed themselves. Like, there's, there's a whole lot of life change happening in here. We get changed as we help other people experience change in Christ. It's amazing. So praise God for his faithfulness. That's, that's what we've been up to over the past three years of starting and, and, and leading a church. And I would say this is exciting and encouraging, all these things, and there's, there's so much more that I could show you. But all of this life change has come at a cost. It's been pricey. Many people have paid a price to make these things happen. And, and many of those people continue to pay a price. And you would think maybe God would spare people from pain. Maybe, like, maybe these people that are willing to move to a new city and start a church, maybe wouldn't it be nice if God would just spare all those people pain because they're doing good work for Jesus and they're just doing good work? or those others that have come to Christ recently. Wouldn't it be nice if, if God would just spare them the pain? Well, turns out the opposite is true, actually. Um, if we look at our next verse here, so we'll go on to verse 3. It says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Share in suffering. Oh, man, we just got all pumped up about, you know, this transmission, the multi-generational impact and people's lives changing. And the next thing is share in suffering. You want to follow Christ? It's going to be costly. That word share is a reference to the cross. Paul could have written, um, like, take the pain or just embrace the suffering. But he says share, because when you share something, you're, you're experiencing something with somebody else. The thing that we share is the suffering of Jesus Christ. So we kind of, as you do good work for the Lord and you suffer all kinds of different pains, it just kind of links us up with Jesus. And that's something that's very important to God. And any version of Christianity that you hear about that's really smooth and easy and just runs on a nice schedule and things just fit in nice orderly blocks, that version of Christianity is probably not the real deal. Because faithfulness to Jesus comes with a cost. Faithfulness to Jesus is to purposely walk into a life of suffering and hardship and sacrifice. Like, you do it to yourself in a way. You're like, no, I'm signing up to be 
with Jesus Christ, and that means I'm signing up for hardship. It kind of, when I was thinking about this, and, I, and as, as I was reflecting on my own like, suffering and pain, I had this vision of Boromir from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen Lord of the Rings, the scene where um, he, uh, he's defending the little hobbits, and he gets attacked by, by too many orcs. And so they, he's, he's he got his sword out in the Horn of Gondor. He's blowing it for reinforcements, but he's, he's killing some orcs, but then they shoot him with an arrow. But he keeps going. He's got like an arrow sticking out of his arm, and he keeps swinging his sword, and then he gets hit with another arrow. And then he keeps going. And, and then they, that one really hits him in a critical spot, and it knocks him over. But then he gets back up, and he keeps swinging. Arrows are painful. And um, they come from a lot of different directions. <clears throat> and uh, I actually want to... I want to give a few categories of suffering. Different types of arrows that you might experience. <clears throat> let, me go to the next, let me go to the next slide. Some of the suffering, so this is maybe in order of grade. Um, some of the suffering that you experience, if you're going to follow Christ, is inconvenience. So coming to church early on the morning is inconvenient. A lot of people did it today. Um, you know, doing good work. Like, loving your spouse the way that God said you should is pretty inconvenient. Man, just certain, like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of inconveniences we'd rather avoid. That's a type of suffering. Also, distress would maybe be another form of suffering that we Christians experience. Things just maybe feel stressful, and things are just sort of unresolved in your life, and you're asking God to resolve them, but it's not really happening. There's this form of distress. Suffering can come in the form of pain or damage, and this could be physical pain, um, an injury, or um, a chronic illness that will go away, or, or relational pain. And that's a real struggle. And you just kind of limp relationally through life. Sorrow is another suffering we experience. Sometimes um, circumstances have been pretty rough in your life. And the sorrow, there's some things that just don't get resolved all easily. You know, like to watch you know, fun TV shows and Netflix and all, you know, most of the time you got a good, you got a good sitcom. There's like a problem that lasts for about 25 minutes and they resolve it in the last five. Life is not like that. Sometimes the sorrow that you experience goes on for a lot longer than 30 minutes. Another form of suffering is loss of something precious. It's really hard when you had something and you lose it. When you had a person and you lose that person. When you had something in your life, a relationship that was very dear to you or an experience, or you loved having little kids, and they're not little kids anymore. Your life is changing. Like, your life is transitioning. You moved into a new life stage. That's a lot. You lost something that you had before, and that's really hard. Or maybe a form of suffering is that you want something, but you don't have it. And you're like, you're asking God, like, God, can you give me this thing? Like, I'm, the thing I'm asking for is a good thing. Like, it's things in, your, in the Bible that are, like, good and you're not giving it. Like, that's a form of suffering. One more is being wronged by others. And I'm sure this has happened to you. You've been wronged by people. You've been wronged by some real evil, malicious people. You've been wronged by people in your family, in your own household. You've been wronged by people that are Christians. And that is a form of suffering that we carry. Another one that came to my mind as... Um, 
I thought about this is in regards to us, like the church, like we've been going three years, you know, within the first year, there's some people that joined us and then they kind of drifted away. It's like, oh man. Then more people would come and be a part of it and they would drift away. And sometimes they don't even say anything. They just disappear and you don't know why. And man, like that's, that's happened a lot now, actually, a bunch of times. And I, I, when I was preparing the pictures for this, I was like, oh man, they're gone. They're gone. Oh, they're gone. I forgot. They're gone. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's like sad. Like, it's, oh man, we really loved those people. That's really hard. So I think about, can you go back to the Boromir thing? And I was thinking about his experience and uh, the, Boromir is maybe not the best example, but you know, one does not celebrate three years without a reference to Lord of the Rings, okay? <laughs> and uh, I, this is kind of, a, this is kind of a, a, a sick look. I haven't done a thing on Boromir. I've done like other scenes from Lord of the Rings, so this was a good time. But um, so, all right, so this guy, the, the noble thing is he got hit by arrows. So all those forms of suffering are kind of like, you feel like you get hit by an arrow by something. And you're moving forward in the Christian life, and you're doing some good godly work, and then you get hit by an arrow. Like, ah, oh, man, that hurts. And then like, man, I got to like brush that off or keep swinging my sword, move forward, you get hit by another arrow. Sometimes that's what it feels like in the Christian life. And that is really hard. And um, you, might, you might be going through that now. If, if you're not right now, maybe you felt in the past, these arrows just keep coming. And like, man, the Bible just talked about this, by the way. Um, not, not boring here. The Bible talks about flaming arrows from the enemy. And he says that he's given us a shield of faith to battle against those things. And uh, Christians can hold up the shield of faith or they can leave it on the ground. If you hold it up, what happens is you trust God no matter what comes at you, and that defends you. If you put the shield down, sometimes you get hit pretty hard. So, this is what Boromir experienced, but it's also what Paul experienced in prison. So, he got hit again and again and again, even at the end of his life. The guy fought well, and he's in a prison in the winter with no coat, about to have his head cut off or something like that. Also, Jesus did this too. He got hit over and over. He got arrested and executed as well. So these guys that have been like heroes for us have this thing where they get some pretty painful things happen to them. So um, I'm going to turn a corner to more an exciting thing now. So what I, wanted, I wanted to paint a picture where this sounds pretty bleak. Walking with Christ, man, this is, this is meant to be sobering, but not depressing. And it's not depressing. There's actually a lot of joy and there's a lot of reward in the Christian life. And actually in Hebrews 12 too, it says, for the joy that lay before him, Jesus endured the cross. One of the, the things that drove Jesus forward through all of that awful pain and suffering was for the joy that he knew was going to be coming. So he had his eyes not in the present moment, but on what was coming. That's why this series is called Risk and Reward. There's a lot of risk if you're going to follow Jesus. And there's a lot of reward, though, too. So for us to understand the reward, the next few verses in this chapter, you know, it, it helps us. You know, Peter, or, uh, Paul says, share in suffering, but he doesn't leave it there. He gives us three ways to endure the hardship, three mindsets to put ourselves in. Here's what he says. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. 
Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he keep, competes according to the rules. And then third, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. He says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So there's these three mindsets, soldier, athlete, farmer. These are ways of seeing yourself. It's kind of like a role, a mental state that you put yourself in, in order to endure the hardship. This is really helpful. Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it, you know, in, in a few minutes, but I would recommend that you dive into this a little bit more. If you are, if you're walking around with some arrows sticking out of your chest, I would, I would encourage you to look at this. But soldier, the reason he talks about this is um, it's easy to get distracted in the Christian life. And just to sort of, um, when he talks about not getting entangled, he's saying um, when you fight, you need to fight with, with single-mindedness, wholeheartedness. Really, the goal is to not get distracted on little, thing, little trivial things. Don't, don't just drivel your time away. Like, don't, don't let things pull you, these desires and these good, appealing things that you can find in our city. And a lot of people go after a lot of enjoyable things in life. He's like, don't do that. Like, don't focus on be single-minded in your fight. So a question with this mindset that we ask ourselves is, what's distracting you from putting your full heart into the mission? Is there something distracting you? You would be wholehearted, but, you know, it's just distracted by something. Boromir, so we'll bring him back, his distraction was his desire for the ring. And that was his desire seduced him. Turned out to be fatal. Um, and it's really not that too different from us. We can get seduced by different desires and things that appeal to us, things that distract us. Boromir had a mission. It was a really noble mission, but he got, he got way off track. He led around by his desires. So a soldier is single-minded. The athlete, athletes, they say, um, it says, let me just read it again real quick. If anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So this means when you run, run with integrity. If you're gonna compete according to the rules, it means you don't cut corners. It's really tempting to cut corners and uh, maybe try to slip one past God and like, oh, I know the Bible says this, but I'm just going to do this thing that I want and cut corners. So the question, if you're going to have the athlete mindset, is where are you tempted to cut corners? Where are you tempted to excuse yourself from full integrity before the Lord? And then the farmer. It says, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Um, farmers have to work hard. Really, the goal here is to work with diligence. And the benefit is you get to eat the fruit of your labor. If you, if you are hard work, if we are hard working, we get to enjoy the fruit of our labor. So the question for us here in this mindset is, what part of your life do you need to put in more effort, but you really don't feel like it? <laughs> what part of your life do you need to put in more effort and you just don't feel like it? It's really understandable to get tired it's, and to just want some breaks and some checkout time and some veg time. Kind of veg from the mission. That's really understandable. But the hardworking farmer works with diligence. So here, here's the soldier, athlete, and the farmer. Here's a photo of all of them together. This is how to endure hardship. And there's rewards that come from it. The soldier, the, the real benefit is... He pleases his commanding officer. 
God is pleased with us. The athlete gets the reward of being crowned and victorious. And the, and the farmer gets the reward of eating the fruit of his labor. Like it actually produces something really good. These are promises that they're like incentives. They're motivators, encouragers. They're, they're promises of the grace of Jesus Christ. And all of these things, I'd say one of the things that these different mindsets have in common is this. They're all committed to something bigger than themselves. And they're all willing to sacrifice and endure challenge to accomplish a greater goal. The highest example of this is Jesus Christ. And again, Paul is the one. And, and they, uh, Paul mentions this. You know, you've got the soldier, athlete, farmer, but don't also forget the examples. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. This is why I endure all things for the elect so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So hardship and sacrifice are inherent to the Christian life. Following Jesus is not easy. It requires everything that you have. And so maybe the natural question is, so why do it then? <laughs> if it's going to take all of me, why would, I, why would anyone become a Christian if that's what you signed up for? Well, why does anyone become a soldier? We've got plenty of people that enlist. You know, like, that's a dangerous job. And it's pretty hard on your body. Why does anyone become a soldier? Why does anyone become skilled in athletics? That's hard, too. Like, that requires a lot of discipline. Why does anyone farm? Man, that's a lot of work. But good thing we have soldiers. Good thing we got farmers. And a lot of people love athletics. Imagine if every American only did professions that required no effort, no risk, no integrity, and no hard work. And everyone's just like, I'm just going to literally only do the easiest possible thing I could do. What if, what if that was our country? Yeah, we'd be in rough shape. Sometimes it feels like we're going in that direction, which is a little scary. But you know what? It's the reason anyone becomes a farmer, an athlete, a soldier, a Christian, is because some costs are worth paying. In some things, the rewards far outweigh the pain. Christianity is the supreme example of the rewards outweighing the pain. But you have to get through the pain first. Sometimes it's hard to even concentrate on the rewards when you're in the pain. In our church, I am very pleased and excited to say that we have people in our church that are like soldiers, they're like athletes, and like farmers. There's people here right now in this room that live with these mindsets. And we started with some on our launch team that early photo you saw, and over three years, God has produced more people like this that are committed to something outside of themselves and are willing to pay a price. It's incredible to see that happen. Some of you sitting right here live like soldiers, athletes, and farmers. And here's the, here's the amazing thing, is that you might be making sacrifices and nobody sees it. I don't know if you've ever done that where you're like, man, I am gutting it out and nobody knows. And like, maybe if you complain about it, then they'll find out about it. And like, that sometimes makes you feel a little better. But you know, sometimes you're up late at night, nobody sees, or you're doing that, you're putting that in effort work, or you're going the extra mile and nobody notices it. It's in those moments, sometimes we ask ourselves, why am I even doing this? Why am I going through this pain? Well, it matters if Jesus is watching you, which he is, 
and he's pleased with our sacrifice. Let me show you just a couple more photos. Um, this is possibly one of my all-time favorite photos of Valley Lights Church. And the reason, the primary reason, is there are five people in this picture that came to faith in Jesus Christ at Valley Lights. And all at different times, the circumstances were different. And in this photo, there's some people that um, were not Christians when this was taken that are Christians now. And uh, this is, it's incredible that, and, and it, what was happening at this event was, um, as you can see, like people are like laughing and enjoying each other and there's a fire pit and it's just like, you know, mugs of tea and sharing blankets and like people relating. What's, what's happening is people are relating around the values of Christ. People are focusing on what we're commanded to do in the New Testament, and it was changing lives. I love this. This is incredible. This is incredible. This has been happening. Here's another photo. This is more recent. Um, this was a, a picture from one of the life groups that was hosted in our backyard. As you heard a few minutes ago, we're starting a new round of life groups. But what happened here, you know, again, you know, a circle of people enjoying time together is... Uh, people are really engaging with what the Bible says and trying to apply it to their lives. And people are enjoying one another. Like, it's great to be together. It's great. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to get into new, break into a new group and you feel shy or maybe you're just outgoing and you start telling jokes as soon as you walk in the room. But, you know, it's hard breaking into a new group. But what happened was you can belong. You can be a part of something like this and be a part of the group and be a part of the life change. Another photo is a rainbow of, um, you know, you can see this rainbow and it goes right onto the center of this building right here. <laughs> From, you know, it sort of matters where the vantage point it is technically. And um, there was not a pot of gold when we got here, by the way. <laughs> um, I prefer God's version of the rainbow story than the Irish one, I think, but um, somebody took this photo the Sunday that we were leaving our previous location, we were at a building in, in, um, on Seiko Canyon, and it was the Sunday we left there to come here. So, you know, I'm not like into like weird, goofy signs and stuff like that, but you know, it's just, it was pretty awesome that we were moving here and there was a rainbow pointing here, which God, who, who makes the rainbows? It's God. Who controls where they go? It's God. And I'm like, man, all right. Because you know what? The, the move from that location to this one was one that was going to require a lot of work. And if you help out on our setup and teardown team in the middle of the summer, you know that. <laughs> there's a lot of work. So it's kind of like, all right, there's a lot of work on the road ahead. But it turns out God was in it. Here's another photo of um, the sports camp that we did recently. Um, and this is just one, we have like a whole bunch of videos and rolls of, of things that happen here. Actually, this is the guy that took the rainbow photo, by the way, um, and sent it to me. But during our sports camp, one of the things we did was we interacted with a lot of people from our community, many of them who really don't have a church to go to or interaction with God, and they got to experience Christians that were really invested in loving them. So there was some good benefit from that like outreach angle, but you know what's amazing is I think some of even the beefier impact of us doing a sports camp was you volunteers helping and experiencing your life. You're like people, I, you can see hearts wrapping around the mission as they served at our sports camp. 
and volunteers were like taking a step away from like away from convenience, taking a step away from my ideal schedule and like having you know rest <laughs> during the week and doing things that are hard and exhausting and draining, but for a purpose that's outside of myself. And that was incredible to see. And then one, one more photo is also a sports camp. And um, there was um, a bunch of people volunteering. Um, the, one, of the, one of the women in this photo, uh, along with another uh, volunteer at sports camp, became a Christian um, last weekend or two weekends ago. And they've been a part of our church and been exploring Christianity and committed their lives to Jesus Christ and put their faith in him. And praise God that more and more people would just continue to put their faith in him through what God's doing here. Praise God for three years at Valley of Lights. I am really excited. And Paul, he finishes this section of chapter two, and he says this. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. One of the phrases that sticks out to me about this is, if we endure, we will reign with him. And if you're, if you're walking through the pain and the suffering, you already know it's to keep going forward requires endurance. And you just got to keep going. And sometimes it's hard to just keep going and enduring and moving forward. But there is a pretty amazing reward. Not only does Jesus offer us salvation from the wrath of God, but we get the privilege of reigning with him. To reign is to be like royalty in charge of things. And for some reason, God sees fit to give us royalty position where we're in charge of overseeing what's going on in the universe if we endure. That's an, that's an incredible reward. We will reign with Christ forever. So the big question, you know, I, I threw a bunch of questions your way today, but really the main one that I'd like to ask you is, will you endure? Will you endure? And as you think about that, there's a few next steps that might help you think through the enduring thing. And maybe one of these you'll take this week. One next step you might do is to seriously consider becoming a follower of Christ. And as I've just put it out there, it comes with a cost, which is why it requires serious consideration, but the rewards far outweigh the cost. So maybe that's you. You're ready to cross the line of faith. Maybe the next step for you is to commit to something bigger than yourself. One of the ways that you can do that is to commit to this church. I mean, it could be any church, but you're here right now, so why not this one? Commit yourself to a church, what God is doing, and the, there's three really um, key ways to do that. Um, teams, meaning our, our ministry teams, every Sunday morning, which we have a lot of openings in, and we would love to have your help. We'd love to team with you. Actually, it's quite enjoyable and refreshing to like team together with other soldiers and men and women that are working. So on Sunday morning, you can join a team and commit to that. Uh, groups is another way to commit to being a part of the community and being known by people and being willing to open up your life and being able to learn more about other people that are opening their lives. And then membership. Uh, we have a membership where people commit to our mission and our values and say, I'm in. I've signed on the line. You can count on me. I will help move the mission forward. So those three key ways, teams, groups, and membership, that's how you commit to something outside of yourself. Another next step might be 
to endure your hardship to accomplish God's goals. I thought about writing endure your hardships, but I just left it at hardship because maybe, maybe there's just one in particular that's the hardest for you right now. And maybe you've already thought about it. Like there is one really hard thing that you're going through right now. And the main next step for you really is just to endure and to keep moving forward and to let God accomplish his work through me as I do that. Another next step might be to never be daunted by my suffering. Even if the arrows are sticking out of your chest, to not be daunted. Because if you suffer, you're walking a path that many men and women have walked that have been faithful to Christ and even Jesus himself. Last next step you might consider is to fix your eyes on the promise of reigning with Christ. You know, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He did fix his eyes on what was coming. Maybe, maybe some of the joy he had as he's going to the cross, carrying it, being whipped, he's on there, bleeding, dying, somehow having joy. And maybe he was thinking about you and me reigning with him. Maybe he was hanging on the cross thinking about us being with him for eternity. And that gave him joy. That is why he stayed on the cross when he could have ripped himself off of it. We started a new church in 2020. Very interesting time to start. And there was a lot of risk. And so far, there has been some reward. And I've showed you photos of some of them. But to be honest, I, I think there's a lot more to come. I think, I think there's more reward yet to come than we can even see right now. And in your own life, if you continue faithfully to endure and walk with Jesus, I think there's more reward ahead than you can even see right now. So will you endure? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and uh, for using a guy like Paul to give us such a um, timely message. And uh, you don't spare us from pain and trouble and suffering. In fact, you use it. And there's a lot of really good things that come out of it. And so we thank you for that. Help us to have the courage and the strength to walk with you. Give us the wisdom. As, as you said, if we, if we think about and ponder those things about farmer, soldier, athlete, you'll give us the understanding. And so um, as we meditate on those things this week, would you give us the understanding for those as well? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.